There are two questions that I have been asked quite frequently over the course of my adult life. They are questions that come from different parts of my life, and yet they are, are questions that are sort of kind of connected. You know, people that, uh, that have connected with me over the course of the years through, uh, through church and during the years when I've been preaching and teaching often have asked me the question, where do you get ideas for sermons? You know, you have to do this every week. How do you keep coming up with ideas for things to talk about? And then the other aspect of my life that some of you are aware of that, you know, that I do quizzing and trivia and that kind of thing. And the question that comes up oftentimes when people find out about that part of my life, they ask me, how do you know all of that stuff? And the thing is, is that those two questions have related answers. And the answer to both of those questions is, I'm a thread puller by nature. And I'll explain what I, what I mean by that. You know, if you've ever worn a sweater, you know that sometimes on a sweater you'll have a loose thread that hangs off. You know, and you, that thread, you know, if that thread is hanging there and if you pull on it and continue to pull it, you will unravel the entire sweater. Well, I'm a thread puller by nature. When I find things that are sort of you know, loose threads, I can't help but yank on them. That's true in, in, in general as, as, as it comes to things that I encounter knowledge-wise in life. If I encounter something, I have to know everything there is to know about that. Now, if I read a story on the news that perhaps takes place in a, in a, in a location that I'm not familiar with, I have to go online and read all about that place because all of a sudden I'm curious about that. And the same thing happens to me with regards to my study of the Bible. You know, that I will encounter things that sort of strike me. And I have to pull on that thread until I've unraveled the whole sweater. And oftentimes that's where my lesson ideas come from. That there has been a loose thread that I have grabbed in the course of my personal Bible study. And you get the benefit of the unraveled sweater when I present the lesson. And that's kind of where today's lesson, if we could go ahead and throw the first slide up there, where this comes up in, in, in this particular lesson. Because this morning we're going to do what I like to think of as a word study. There's a word that I encountered during the course of studying the Bible that sort of stood out to me for whatever reason as I was reading a, a particular passage and it occurred to me that I didn't quite understand the, 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 the whole meaning of that word or how that word was used in different other passages in scripture. And so I started pulling the thread. I started going to other places where that word occurs to find out how that word was used in other places in the New Testament. Now, that's often hard to do when you're reading the Bible in English. And it's hard because oftentimes a particular word from the original text, which is in the New Testament, is in Greek, and not even modern Greek, but what's called Koine Greek. It's the, the, the Greek of, of ancient times, at least ancient as far as we're concerned, the Greek of 2,000 years ago, which is very different from the language that people who live in modern Greece speak today. But those words, when translated into English, 
often will be translated a number of different ways by the people whose job it is to translate the scriptures from the original text into English. And so oftentimes you might be reading several different passages and not even realize that the word that you're reading is the same word because it's not the same word in English in each of those different passages. But fortunately we have tools that help us sort of put these things together and I'm sure that John is familiar with a couple of the tools that I use. One is a, a, a ginormous book called Strong's Index. And basically a gentleman named Strong went through the, the Bible and indexed every single word in the original text and gave it a number. And you can take Strong's Index and you can look up that number and find every place where that particular word occurs in the original text. And then I have another tool that I use. It's a, a dictionary of ancient Greek. It's called Thayer's Lexicon. And Thayer was a gentleman who took the, all of the words Strong had indexed and went back to the original language and defined those words, much like a, a dictionary would define words for us in English, but also defines them in, in terms of the different passages where those words occur. And so in this particular case, I had stumbled across this word, and go ahead to the next slide there, Crystal. I had stumbled across this word. In the Greek, it's the word katartizo, which is the verb form, which means to make fit or to make ready, to make something complete. And that word is also has, has, has a noun form, um, a couple of noun forms actually, which tell us about the act of making something ready or complete, or an act of fully preparing something or someone. Now, right away, when you look at that definition, you might think, well, I can imagine a couple of places in the New Testament where that word probably occurs. But there are probably some other places that you would never think of because of the way that the translators have translated the word completely differently in certain passages from the way that they've translated it in the, perhaps the passage or two that you might be thinking of. But when we look at all of these passages together, what we find is something very interesting about this word and the description that this word gives of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and through his Holy Spirit, as, as Josh has been talking with us recently in, in his lessons about the Holy Spirit. So I wanna look at some of the passages where this word katartizo is found in the scripture and see what, what we might glean from these, from these passages about that word and its description of our relationship with God. The first place that we find this word in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 4, verses 21 and 22. It's used in exactly the same context by Mark in Mark chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. These are, these are Matthew's words here. Where Matthew writes, going on from there, he, he being Jesus in this particular instance, saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing, and there's that word katartizo, their nets. 
Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now it's interesting that this is the first place in the New Testament where we find this particular word and it's used in the context not of people but of a physical object. It's used to talk about the nets that James and John and their father Zebedee and the men that worked with them, the nets that they used as fishermen to catch fish. And before they went out to fish, they had to do something with the nets. And that's what they were doing at this time when Jesus approaches. They were in the boat preparing, as a word is translated here, their nets. Now if we think about fishing nets, and think about the kinds of things you might need to do to a fishing net before you went out to fish, what would some of those things be? Well, first of all, you'd want to make sure that the net didn't have any holes in it. You'd want to go through and make sure that, that there were no rips or tears in the net. And if, if so, you would want to make sure that you fixed them. You would want to make sure that the net wasn't tangled. Because if you throw the net into the water and it's just all balled up, you're not going to catch any fish that way. It's got to spread out so that it can envelop the fish. And so here James and John and Zebedee and, the, and these other men who are working with them are sitting in their boat and they're preparing their nets for a task. They're getting them ready to do the job that fishing nets are supposed to do. They're, they're checking for holes and making sure that the holes get mended. They're making sure that the net's not tangled. They're making sure that the net will, will spread out and function in the way that it's supposed to. And if we keep that thought in mind as we look at some of the other passages, we'll understand why this concept of katartizo is so important when we begin to see that word used in the context of talking about people. The next place that we see that word as we're going to look at it here, is another place where it's talking about a, a physical object. And that's in Hebrews, the, third, the 11th chapter in the third verse. Where the writer of Hebrews, in that great chapter where he talks about faith and its meaning, and sort of provides that history of the idea of faith, makes this statement. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed, there's that word katartizo, at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Now here we see that the translator has used a very different word in Hebrews 11.3 than was used back in Matthew 4 and Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> there the idea was preparing the fishing nets. Here the same word is used and the translator has chosen the word formed to describe the universe. But I want to suggest to you that the word still means the same thing. That just as James and John and Zebedee were preparing their nets, that is to say, they were doing what was necessary to the nets to get the nets ready to do the job that nets are supposed to do in the fishing context. That when God created the universe, God prepared everything that exists for the purpose for which he had intended it, which ultimately is for people to be able to live in it as we live in the world today. 
But there was a time before there were people when God had to get the material things of the universe ready for us to live in them. Just as the fishermen had to prepare their nets, God prepared the universe for the task that he had appointed it, which is to, to demonstrate his glory, first of all, but also on a, in the more narrowly specific context for people to live in that world that he had created. So again, that word gives us the sense of getting something ready to do a job that it's supposed to do. Getting something prepared to, to accomplish the purpose that it's been given. Now we begin to see how that word can be applied to people. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter in the 10th verse, the Apostle Paul uses that word when he's talking to the, the relationship of the Christians in Corinth one with another. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united, there's that word, katartizo, in mind and thought. Now, it's interesting here that the translator has chosen the word united, or the phrase perfectly united, to describe what Paul is trying to say here. But again, I want us to notice that this is the exact same word that Matthew and Mark used to describe the preparation of the fishing nets. And it's the same word that the Hebrew writer used to describe God's preparing the universe for its purpose. That Paul's using the exact same word in the original language. And so I want us to think about this passage in that context. Paul says that, that he wants the Christians in Corinth to be in agreement with one another. And first of all, in agreement with one another, not just in the general sense, but as he says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is to say that in the context of them having a common relationship with Christ, he wanted them to be in agreement with one another and not be divided against each other. But in order that he, as he says, that they might be katartizo in mind and thought. And I want to suggest to us that even though the translators in English have chosen the phrase perfectly united, that a better way of putting that might be exactly to use that the words that were translated in Matthew and Mark. That the whole reason that Paul wants them to be in agreement in terms of their relationship with Christ and not to be divided against one another is because they have a purpose for which they need to be prepared. Just like the fishing nets, just like the universe, just like those things needed to be gotten ready for the job that they had to do. Paul wanted the Christians in Corinth to understand God had a job for them to do. And it was a job that they couldn't do if they were fighting and arguing with each other all the time. And if they were divided against each other 
in terms of their, their approach to their relationship with Christ. That the only way they could be prepared, like the fishing nets, the only way they could be prepared, like the universe, for the purpose that those things were given, the only way these Christians could be prepared for the job that God wanted them to have is to be in mind and thought prepared in terms of being in agreement with each other and not to be divided against one another. You see, that's something we'd never see if we only read this passage in English. But when we see the original word, we see, oh, wait a minute, we've encountered that word before. And now we begin to see more clearly the idea that Paul is trying to get across. Peter uses this word in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. When he makes this statement, he says, And the, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore, and there's that word, katartizo, you, and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Now here again, the translators use a completely different word. In this passage, the word restore, as opposed to the words that were translated back in 1 Corinthians as we were just looking at, where the phrase is translated as perfectly united, but it's the same word in the original language. Peter and Paul are both using the same word in, in those two passages. And so here where the translator has chosen the word restore to get the idea across in English, again, we want to think about the fact that this is the word that Matthew and Mark used to describe getting the fishing nets ready to fish. And it's the same word that the writer of Hebrew uses to describe God getting the universe ready for people to live in it. And I want to suggest again that what Peter is trying to get across here is that God has a purpose for his people. And God wants them to be made ready for the purpose that he has for them to accomplish. And it's important for us to notice that the purpose is not from us. Any more that the purpose of the fishing nets comes from the nets. Any more than the purpose of the world comes from the world. The purpose of the nets comes from the fishermen. The purpose of the world comes from the one who created the world. And so it is that the purpose of those of us who are God's people in Christ, our purpose is not for us to invent, but rather God already has a purpose for us. And he will make us ready and prepared for that purpose if we allow him to act in our lives, to make us, as Peter says here, strong, firm, and steadfast. Interesting what we see when we realize the word that Peter uses here. And again, Paul uses that word in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, a, word that, a, a passage of many of us probably very familiar with. 
Where Paul writes, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a, in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should, and again, the translator here uses the word restore, katartizo, that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Again, restore, not a bad word to use here to get across the idea. But think again about the fact that this is the same word that Matthew and Mark applied to the fishing nets. Getting the nets ready to accomplish the job for which nets are made. And is that not the same thing that Paul is trying to get across here? Telling the Christians in Galatia that if there's one among you who's fallen into, in, into some pattern of life that is preventing him or her from accomplishing the purpose for which God has made them in Christ, that you who are striving to live by the Spirit of God have a responsibility to help make that person ready for the job that God wants them to do. To help prepare that fishing net to go fishing for men. To use an example that Jesus himself used. Yes, there's an idea of restoration there. But it's restoration with a purpose. And that is to help that individual be once again ready to fulfill the purpose for which they have been created by God in Christ. And again, that's a nuance to the passage that we would miss if we didn't know what that word was that Paul uses in this passage. Again, Paul uses it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 at verse 10 when he applies it to his relationship to the Christians in Thessalonica. He says, night and day, we, we being he and others who were traveling and working with him, night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply, katartizo, what is lacking in your faith. And again, now here the translator has, has chosen a rather complex phrase supply what is lacking to translate this word. But again, we remember that this is the word that Matthew and Mark applied to the fishing nets and that the Hebrew writer applied to the universe as a whole to describe things that were being readied for a purpose, things that were being gotten to the point where they could accomplish what the person to whom they belonged had assigned that purpose. And here again, Paul talking to these Christians in Thessalonica is praying that he might have an opportunity to help them get ready. Help them be made complete and ready for the job at hand in order that they might fulfill their purpose. Again, a nuance we wouldn't see in the verse if we didn't know what word Paul used there. Jesus 
uses the word in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. In a passage, again, that most of us are familiar with, where he makes the statement, the student is not above the teacher. But everyone who is fully trained, katartizo, will be like their teacher. Now here again, translators use a phrase, fully trained, to translate the passage. But isn't Jesus here saying about the relationship between the student and the teacher the same thing that Matthew and Mark were saying about the relationship between James and John and Zebedee and their fishing nets? That just as the fishermen had to get the nets ready to fish, the job of the teacher is to get the student ready to be like the teacher. To accomplish the purpose, which ultimately is to be able to do what the teacher does. To be able to carry out that purpose and continue that mission. One way to describe that would be the teacher's training the student. But there's a nuance to the passage, a nuance to Jesus' statement here that we don't see if we don't see that, oh yeah, he's using the same word that Matthew and Mark used to describe the fishermen getting the nets ready to fish. The Hebrew writer, whom we've already seen use that word in Hebrews 11.3, uses it again in Hebrews chapter 13 towards the very end of the book where he writes, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here the translator uses the word equip. And again, when we think, ah yes, that's the same word that Matthew and Mark used to describe getting the fishing nets ready to fish. We understand what the Hebrew writer is saying here, that what he's calling upon the Lord to do is make his people ready. Get them prepared. Give them what's necessary in order to be able to carry out his will. Equip is a word you could use to describe that. But it's a concept that we see much more clearly when we understand what the word is that the Hebrew writer uses here. In a very familiar passage to us in Ephesians chapter 4. And again, we're looking now at all of these passages. Now we're getting to some of the more familiar ones so that we can see, okay, now I can see that in a way I never saw that before. See, this all had a purpose. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. A very familiar passage to most of us. But now we see that word in it. And we understand it a little better. So when Paul says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. There's that word katartizo again. That same word 
that Matthew and Mark used to describe getting the fishing nets ready to fish. Now we see that that's the word that Paul uses here, that the purpose of all of these gifted leaders that Christ himself placed within the body of Christ, that their purpose is the same purpose as the fishermen getting the fishing nets ready to fish. That these gifted and talented people whom Christ himself has, has given the ability to carry out these tasks have the job of getting his people ready to do the job that they've been assigned to do. To equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Again, a passage that all of us probably very familiar with. But now we see that word and it gives a whole new level of our understanding that when we saw that word before, maybe we didn't understand that when Paul talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers equipping the people for works of service, we didn't understand that that's the exact same word that Matthew and Mark used to describe James, John, and Zebedee getting their fishing nets ready to fish. And now we see ourselves in that passage, and now we see, ah, I'm the fishing net. And the purpose of those whom God has surrounded me with and given them gifts to share with me is to help me get ready. To help me be ready to accomplish the purpose that God has set for me. The noun form of the word appears in a couple of passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul said, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul says, we are glad when we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is that you may be, here the translator says, fully restored. But there's that word, katartizo. In this case, it's the noun form of the word, but it's the same word. It's the act of doing that preparing. And again, two verses later, Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for, as he says, full restoration is the translator's word. But Paul's word is katartizo. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. In both of these places, the translator chooses the phrase fully restored or full restoration. But Paul is using the same word that Matthew and Mark used to describe the fishermen getting the fishing nets ready to fish. And so what Paul is really saying here in verse 9 is our prayer is that you may be prepared to do the job God has given you to do. And in verse 11 that you should strive to be prepared for the job that God has given you to do. And in order to do that, he says, here's how you help, here's how you help accomplish that. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. 
live in peace. Those are all things that will help you in your efforts to be prepared to do the job that God has given you to do. We've looked at all of these passages and emphasized this word over and over again for a reason. And it's because the concept is so vitally important. Our relationship with God in Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit is a relationship that is described by this word katartizo. We are a people who are to be fully prepared. Just like the fishing nets had to be fully prepared to fish. We are a people who in the hands of God need to be fully formed. Even as God formed the universe before there were any, ever any people to live in it for the purpose of sustaining the lives of those he would place therein. That we were people who, to use the translator's word from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, fully united. But again, united in order that we might fulfill the purpose for which God has set us apart. That we might be fully prepared for that purpose. And all of the other words that the translators use in all of these other passages, supplied, trained, equipped, restored, all of those things are embodied by this idea that we are a people who need to be prepared to do the work that God has given us to do. And most importantly, to understand that God is preparing us continually for that work as we allow him to live and move and work in our lives. That the entire purpose of our being God's people in Christ, that the entire purpose of God blessing us with those gifts that Josh has been describing to us, about the interaction of the Holy Spirit with us in our lives, that all of those things have a purpose. And that purpose is for us to be complete and ready to do the job that God has given us to do, which is to be his ambassadors to the world, his representatives to the world, the people who carry forth his name and his, his words and his example into the world around us. That just like the fishing nets had to be catartizo, had to be made ready, made complete, made prepared by the fishermen in order that they could do the work of fishing. In that same way, God, in Christ and through the Holy Spirit, is getting us ready to do the job he's given us to do. And this is so vitally important because just like the fishing nets, if we don't fish, we don't have a purpose. If we don't do the job that we've been given to do, we don't have a purpose. The fisherman who buys nets 
and hangs them in the shed and never throws them in the water has wasted the money on fishing nets. God has invested in us so that we can carry out his purpose. And he is preparing us through his word and the instruction thereof, through our interaction one with another and our encouragement and, and strengthening and our edification of one another, through all of these things that God gives us, he is preparing us for a job. But it's our job to go and do it. It is our jobs to fish like the nets fish. It's our job to sustain life in the world just as it's the world's job to sustain life. It is our job to be what God has prepared us to be. And unless we realize that that's what God has done, unless we realize that God has fully prepared us, fully formed us, fully united us, fully supplied us, fully trained us, fully equipped us, and fully restored us, however we want to translate that word, in order for us to understand that it is in God that we are being made ready to do the work, if we don't understand that, we'll never do the work. But when we do understand it, we can seize the opportunities that come our way to do and be what God has prepared us to do and to be. So as you go through your week this week, think about the word katartizo. A word that means fully prepared, making something fully ready, fully complete fully capable of doing and fulfilling a purpose and realize that God is doing that in your life and when you, where you see opportunities to fulfill your purpose. Realize that purpose is from God and that he's given you the tools that you need to be ready and prepared to do it.